Dynasty Podcast presents Dynasty Panelcasts, a live panel discussion with industry experts and innovative creatives. Hosted by Haima Black. No RSVP required. Thank you guys all for coming out tonight here at Mosaic in uh, Fulton Market in Chicago. Uh, let's give a round of applause for everyone in the room. Uh, my name is Haima Black. I am the host and founder of Dynasty Podcasts. We are the first ever and longest running music podcast in the city of Chicago history. We've been podcasting longer than NPR by one day. That's a true stats. Um, but way more interesting than me, we have an incredible panel here tonight of the staff from C3 Presents, the production powerhouse out of Austin, Texas. And they came all the way up here just for this panel and I guess for some event this weekend as well. Um, to really tell us what all actually goes into the making of Lollapalooza. So I'm going to let everyone introduce themselves and uh, share their role in the festival. And then across the next 40 minutes or so, we're really going to dig into what everyone really does and like, and what that all means and what it entails. Hey, guys. I'm Lindsay Sokol. I'm the festival director at C3 Presents. Um, and so that really is the logistics and the operations for the festival, so all the behind the scenes, um, first one in, last one out. I'm Sam Elkin, I'm the, the operations director for um, all of our sponsorship, um, all of our sponsorship partners, as well as um, our platinum and VIP programs. I'm Tammy Blevins, and I run artist relations for uh, the festivals, which means I babysit artists. <laughs> and I'm Daniel Gibbs. I do visual media, aka video, but all things visual, photos, streaming, VR, GIFs, and uh, you know, I get to work with these guys. Right on. Cool. So yeah, like I said, across across this discussion, we're really going to dig into each of those. We'll do kind of a couple general questions for for everyone in no order. Let's start with, uh, you know, we're here in Chicago. We're here for the Lollapalooza, the American edition of Lollapalooza. What made Chicago the right home for Lollapalooza? Because maybe not everyone in the room is old enough to remember this, but it used to be a touring festival in the 90s. It used to go from city to city to city, and now, of course, it's a destination event here in Chicago. So what makes this the right place for Chicago, or for Lollapalooza? Lindsay? I mean, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, the model came from the ACL Fest we do in Austin. It's, Mm -hmm. It's a multi-day destination festival and uh, you know Lollapalooza had struggled for a few years and went dark and you know we had presented Perry and you know Willie Morris with you know the model we have in Austin with ACL which is a destination festival and picking a central place where people can come and um, you know it worked and you know and Chicago was the perfect venue and then the city allowed us to be in Grand Park which is you know an honor in a lot of regards, but um, I think geography was a big part of it, right? Yeah. Like being like in the middle of the country, middle where of the country, a lot of people get the get Midwest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. It and here in Chicago, it really is kind of this like benchmark. That Lollapalooza announcement really kickstarts the year in terms of like the cultural activities in the city. The, the feeling that like okay, the year is activated. Like now we're looking at Lollapalooza. You I mean you can't pick? You can't get a better park in this country probably to do a festival than Grand Park. You know, yeah, middle of downtown Chicago with this, you know, with the water and the skyline. The and weather's always great for the most part. Yeah, rain, or iffy. Or it rains. But it is, uh, it is a, it's a gem, and we're lucky to be able to uh, to do this festival there. So, 
there's a lot of different roles that go into Lollapalooza, but talk about the teamwork component and how all the different operations and, and teams and roles interact with each other. Like, how much coordination goes into bringing something like this to life? It's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. And this, even though we are coworkers, I think more so we're a family because of how much we're on the road together mm-hmm. and the coordination that we have to do not only back in Austin, but up here in Chicago, all, none of this would be able to be possible without, I think, the communication and the teamwork we have with each other. Because everything that each one of us do, no matter if it's from video to sponsorship with artists, it affects each other. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is not easy to put one of these on. And the, I, honestly, the only way we do it is because of the people we have on our team and the fact that we just trust have each, each other's other. backs, yeah. we trust each other. I mean, we, everybody kind of operates in their own, like, you know, their own area, too, and doesn't necessarily know what everyone else is doing. But, like, it gets done because of the, the people we have on our team. Yeah, it's communication. I mean, yeah. we're all getting 600, 700 emails a day this week, you know, and, <laughs> and it's all, you know, just quick answers and, you know, and figuring it out step by step how many of those are people last minute being like hey man Can we went to pass? third grade together like <laughs> yeah. where's my <laughs> yeah <laughs> if, you, if you're emailing the week of the show that's an automatic <laughs> delete. <laughs> delete delete block um right on so i'd love to talk to each of you individually a little bit about your role but please feel free to keep this a group discussion if there's something you want to jump in on just because i'm directing it to one person don't feel cut out. Um, Lindsay, let's start with you. Your role as festival director, which just sounds so enormous, like really break down, like what all does that mean? Um, so what it entails is it is kind of like I said as the intro, it's operations and logistics. So it's everything with the build schedule for the festival to wrangling the vendors, um, a lot of a lot of city involvement. And so I think we kind of started with why Chicago and one of the reasons that I think Lala has been so successful and is a big component of my role is because of the city involvement. Everything's from the Chicago Parks District to OEMC and the city of Chicago. Um, we're working with them all year round. And so you know, I spend probably at least every month or so coming in town to deal and have meetings with the Park District and the city of Chicago because it is, even though Grant Park we're taking, I think it's a mile to mile for main stage. And so we have a large footprint, but the festival impacts so much more of the city, especially because of the closures and how people are getting to the festival. And so my role really encompassed not only the logistics to build the festival, but also kind of a few steps back and what the impact is to the city and all the coordination that we have to do with Chicago PD to fire, to parks, and all the logistics that goes along with having a festival this size in, in, in Chicago. What was the learning curve on that like? Because, you know, obviously C3 does have, like, ACL in Austin, and there's other events you guys are involved with, but was it a different kind of operation when you got to Chicago, or was it kind of the same as what you would do in Austin? No, I mean, Lollapalooza is a beast mm-hmm. in, in the best way. But I think it's, we would all say that it's one of the hardest festivals that we do. It's one of the most challenging because of where we are in Chicago. And um, even though we've, this weather, we uh, are very fortunate to be here instead of Austin right now. Mm-hmm. But the weather is placed against us every single year. And so um, it's, 
Logistically, it's the hardest. I mean, yeah. you're, the hardest. you're downtown. It's, you're yeah. downtown in, in one of the you know top five biggest cities in the country. Try to put on a festival of you know hundred thousand yeah. people a day. It's 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 challenging. I mean, yeah. we don't even get that Columbus Street until we used to get it the night, like the day before the festival. We're getting it tonight. So, and that is so we have to last minute, you know, sit everything mm-hmm. up on Columbus in you know a day, um, and then break it down right afterwards to open it back up because it's a major, you know, thorough. We get something like an evacuation where we have to right. basically throw 100,000 people out on the streets of Chicago, you know, which, you know, the poor Hilton and all those hotels. <laughs> you know, the poor bathrooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. It gets, logistically, it's, you yeah. know, it's very complex. And we can't close the site down and that's probably one of the biggest challenges on my side of things. Yeah. I mean, if you guys wanted to come down and see how we're building Lollapalooza tomorrow, around. you could. Mm-hmm. And that's so rare and it's hard for us because because we're used to being able to build that perimeter around a festival. Right. And yeah, we're not ACL, able to here. ACL, it's yeah. like a month, which is unfortunate for, for Austin residents, but we shut the whole festival, or shut the park down. Mm-hmm. Here, we, the park stays open until pretty much Tuesday night, maybe. <laughs> well, tomorrow, just like tomorrow yeah. night. Yeah, yeah. last minute. Mm-hmm. That so is wild. running yeah. through, and it's just challenging. It's challenging. Well, and uh, something I've seen, you know, I, I've, I've lived in Chicago, I've done music stuff in the city for a long time, and... Um, and I've gone to Lollapalooza for years and years, and I've seen even the difference in how it's constructed, where it used to be comparably, probably a little bit easier to jump the fence, and now that's like not as much of an option. Like, how much of a learning curve was there from when you guys started in 2005 here until now? Every year, I mean, every year we little tweaks. Yeah. We go through the festival. This didn't work. This did work, and we change it and. Fence jumping is just one of those things that we have to learn, and it's yeah. not just about kids jumping the fence it's it's a safety issue like right. people get hurt like lakeshore yeah. is dangerous and yeah it's really yeah, dangerous. We don't, yeah. yeah we don't want those people at the fence jumping i mean we'd rather yeah. those people come into the festival than like get <laughs> yeah. running across like yeah. i mean like yeah that's our, our main concern there the hospital bill is so much more than it would cost for a weekend pass <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> that should be the poster for a little like just just buy the wristband <laughs> But that's so interesting to think about all the different components, because I think a lot of people, when they think of a festival, uh, a Coachella, an ACL, a Lollapalooza, they don't think, like, what kind of permits do you need? What kind of relationship do you need to have with the fire department and the medical facilities? They just think, like, oh, cool. They got, like, Gaga and Kanye, and, like, that's well, it. How easy must that and be? And Chicago, too, is a big union union town. So, you know, that's, from a, from a labor perspective, that's a whole other layer. Um, and a huge oh, yeah. factor, a huge line item in your budget, everything. Um, so yeah, we're not allowed to get on the third ring of a ladder, you know, here, you know, yeah. because of Climbers Union, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The infamous Climbers Union yeah. clause. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. um, that's why we're people came out that. tonight. They're like, we are here to learn about the Climbers Union. I mean, that's a hot topic. Yeah. <laughs> now, looking at, you know, booking the festival headliner acts. I mean, that's, I think, one of the big draws every year. People automatically, the first thing they look at is, like, who's headlining? Almost to the point where, like, I think that, that probably that first day, people aren't even looking at the rest of the lineup. They're looking at, right. like, who are the headliners? So what goes into bringing headlining talent to Lollapalooza, those huge acts, like someone like a Paul McCartney or a Lady Gaga? I mean, I... I a lot of yelling? No, yeah. I'm kidding. No, but it's... Um, our talent department is not represented here tonight, but we have a talent buyers division that they have lots of relationships with agents and managers, and they start negotiating, you know, a year in advance. And a lot of times, it has to do with the artist's. 
tour schedule. You mm-hmm. know, you might want to have, you know, you know Kanye or whoever here, but if his tour doesn't line out with the dates that are available, that can't happen. So it goes into a lot of negotiating that way. And we do a lot of festivals, so a lot of times you will see the same artists go from Lala to ACL to Voodoo to South America or whatever. We do deals across the board, but relationships... Yeah, I do feel also, too, like it's not just, honestly, it's not just about the headliners. I feel like people know, like, the middle, the, the, the middle right? The middle. Yeah, the, the middle sure. Second tier artists. The, like the middle class. The meat of the order. The like, I feel like that's, like, people get really excited for it. The headliners, like Tammy said, are, are really based on routing. And, like, they're either out or they're not, right? You're, you're going to get Radiohead if they're on tour, you know, but otherwise you're not. But that meat of the order is all those, like, hot up-and-coming bands, whether it's hip-hop or indie or whatever it is. And I feel like that's what, like, the kind of the backbone of the lineup for sure yeah now when you're booking a year out which is a really long time to be able to like well i think by next august people are going to be really feeling like the drake record or the the killers record or whoever it is right like how much guesswork is that or how much like i guess how do you kind of make that decision other than just routing like how do you plan out a year in advance what is going to be what yeah, people are excited easy, about? Yeah. Our town I mean, buyer is really like, yeah. he is like, he's, he will call everybody and get their opinion. He'll call promoters, friends, like across the country. We'll like statistics. Sti- sti- all say, statistics. Yeah. He's very mm-hmm. statistic driven mm-hmm. and he'll like get statistics. He'll make calls. Be like, what do you think? And it's like rain, it's, man. He's, really, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's like, he is like kind of a genius and he, yeah. Yeah, he, he comes from like a, like a, like a, Wall Street, um, Wall Street background, mm-hmm. but he's taken it to uh, to talent buying, and um, he makes very calculated decisions. Yeah. There's it, one it, year when we had book B.O.B., and in mm-hmm. the eight months leading up, he just blew up. Sure. And he was booked at 11 a.m. on a Friday morning, mm-hmm. and, you know, a tiny stage, and, you know, and then 30,000 people showed up, you know, for just for his show, you know. Well, I mean, I think some people in here probably remember this. I remember when Chance the Rapper first played Lollapalooza, mm-hmm. and he was on that stage that's, like, off to the side, Perry. next to the tree. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And it's no. like... No. No. It was BMI. the yeah because it's right next to Lakeshore. <laughs> yeah. Lady Gaga played BMI too. Lady Gaga played BMI too. Yeah. Lady Gaga played BMI too. And it's like this was after Chance was really like building his his energy in Chicago, and people were really excited. And you couldn't get close to that stage. People were climbing trees. But I'm sure when you guys booked Chance the Rapper at that point, no one had any idea that he was going to like right. become the right. phenomenon that he is. Right. And now he and let's talk about Chance for just a second. He's playing his third Lala in what, like five years or somewhere in that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Even know. <laughs> yeah. Which Brian is rare. We don't, we don't repeat yeah. artists yeah. that much. Right, but yeah. like, talk about the case of Chance the Rapper. Like, what made him the right talent to bring back uh, that many times? Because I feel like each time he's come here. Well, because he's huge now. Each time sure, he's in they a different go place. into a bitter, bigger stage, and oh, now he's chances headlining the yeah. stage is, on Saturday, so that's pretty huge. And he's from Tammy Chicago. can tell you how many guests he's bringing. Nope. And, <laughs> it's confidential. Not she sure won't tell you, but she'll tell you it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, and you guys had Vic Mensa. Was that a year or two ago? Who? Vic Mensa? Yeah. A couple years ago. Yeah, okay. story with Vic Mensa, he... He snuck into the festival, yeah. and then he got uh, electrocuted on the train tracks. Remember? Yeah, it's like a famous kind of like Chicago <laughs> yeah. folklore kind of story of like how how Vic went from yeah sneaking in to like playing one of the main stages. Yeah, yeah. Um, now you know we're talking about headliners, but let's flip it because like you guys said during the day, there's so many worthwhile acts. 
what goes into choosing those acts that aren't going to be necessarily the marquee names, but that you guys have a lot of belief in that will, you know, be worth people checking out at like two in the afternoon on a Sunday? I feel like we should all say that we are we have nothing to do with the talent body. She <laughs> okay. needs to be. Allie needs to answer this question. But, but, but a lot of it just yeah. goes uh, really with the the conversations and the things that are going on with those artists, kind of at the beginning of the year, records that are coming out. Yeah, what He's the, on tour. What the yeah. talk yeah. is mm-hmm. on social media about certain artists. Mm-hmm. Um, You're also talking to agents, and they're like, "Great, I've got this band. You also should check out this band." So we're being pitched. I mean, so many artists. Yeah. And one of the cool the things is is that they will, the talent department, well, I remember many, many years ago for Cage the Elephant, I had a friend of mine send me a video because these guys are great. And I go, these guys are great. And I forwarded it to our talent, and he booked them on BMI stage, and now they're huge. They're huge, But yeah. they're good. So that right. was, a lot of times that's all it takes. It's like, let's give them, you know, BMI is our, kind of our starter stage. You know, where bands will go to become famous. Right. If you're good, that's your chance. Get up there and... Yeah. No pun intended. No pun intended. Um, Now, Tammy, like, we're talking all about artists, and and you, obviously, your artist relations at the festival. What does that role entail? Like, go into detail about, like, what do you do, and, and how do you manage working with artists? Because that's not necessarily always easy, I would imagine. Especially that many. Don't forget the writers. Um, So I work very closely with the talent department. So during the year as they're building offers and and sending out deals and things, that they'll they'll talk to me about what we can offer them to bring them to the festival to keep them happy. It's my job really to take care of all the non-technical aspects of their stay and Mm -hmm. communicating with the stage manager, with sponsorship or with you know, video about, you know, what their expectations are. So for me, I jokingly say that, like, I'm a professional babysitter, but I just, I'm there to kind of take care of them with everything from transportation to their dressing rooms, their hospitality, their credentials, their family there, their, you know, their eat and their vegans or they're not vegans or whatever. And we kind of put all that information together so by the time they get to the stage, you guys get a great show and that they're happy and they leave there and they've had a great time. And I work really closely with Sam on sponsorship. We'll bring some activations in the artist village where the artists are hanging out mm-hmm. and they get haircuts and ice cream. And Yeah, you really you want know. to curate a good experience for yeah. the artists because, like, like it's not that hard to keep them happy. Good food, you know, just like some like just good hospitality, being treated well, and they're the ones that are, you know you want to have a good experience because they're going to go back and be like, I had a great time at La Palooza. Like simple things, honestly, like catering, they'll remember and be like, the food yeah. was great. Yeah. I mean, that's the um, core. If you take care of the fans, take, you take care of the artists. Take care of the fans, know. take care of the artists, and they come back. And the and the, and the artists, they're both important, and the mm-hmm. artists are important because you want them to go and say, this is a great festival. We want to come back here. They're going to tell their agent, their manager, and it's just going to. Mm-hmm. Perpetuate that relationship we have, yeah. and it, it really like it sounds crazy to say it because people think rock stars, people think these like larger than life talents, but it really is like almost any other industry where it's like word of mouth because it's the same as you asking your buddy like, hey, I think I might get hired at this place, and it's like, oh, they take care of their people there, exactly. Right, but in, in that case, it's like Lady Gaga telling Drake, right, right. <laughs> sure, right. Right. Um, but it's really about no. their it's yeah. it's their team, you know, right. it's yeah. the it's their crew, the tour managers and production managers, they're the ones who we communicate with the most, you know, we're kind of 
and forming those relationships. Mm-hmm. I've had, and I don't take things personally. I learned that a long time ago. Sure. I've had tour managers screaming in my face about something, and I just let it go and make sure we end with a hug or like, are we good? Are you, mm-hmm. you know, you get it out? Because sometimes it's not about me. They're frustrated about the situation. So I'm just going to try and help work through the situation the best we can, accommodate the best we can, and make sure that everybody has a great show and is comfortable and eats a good meal. Yeah, and, and you know, that was going to be my next question is, like, what do you do when it's not going according to plan, where you have the writer, everything that they asked for is provided, but then they get there and they go, where's this? Where's my, you know, like, Tropic Thunder? Like, where's my TiVo? Yeah. <laughs> I, my job is to manage expectations. I bring so, the TiVo. Get your TiVo. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you go to the jungle, you bring them their TiVo. Yeah. It's about advance. I communicate a lot before they get to town. So right. that everything is pretty much as, as well as we can has been talked about in advance. It's like, well, where's my TiVo? You didn't ask me for a TiVo. Uh-huh. So it's not here. Uh-huh. But let me see what I can do. Sam? Yeah. Do we have a sponsorship with TiVo? <laughs> it's kind of a dated reference yeah. at this point, but, yeah. but I just okay. watched Copper Thunder. It's a safe one. Sure. Yeah. Chromecast, but no TiVo. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and Sam, uh, on that end, like, uh, talk about your role as sponsorship operations manager. Like, what does that entail, and how does that help drive the festival? How does that help bring Lollapalooza to life? Um, well, we, um, it is a challenge because we are every year tasked as a team to raise more money for the festival. Right. Um, so... <clears throat> so we have to, we have a certain um, number that we need to reach, but we also we don't just take whatever, right? We curate it, if you will, like what kind of sponsors we'll have there because we, it contributes to the vibe of the festival. So, we, you know, we aren't just going to say, oh, great, you're willing to pay that, great, we'll take you, Burger right? King. Right, Burger King, like the fast, <laughs> we don't do things like fast food or, you know, or, um, I don't know, that's a good example. There's other stuff we don't do too. Tobacco, things like that, sure. right? So, um, so that's the first hurdle is, is doing that. Um, and, um, and there's a balance there because we do need to earn a certain amount of money because what one thing that people probably don't really think about and nor should they, but raising that money in sponsorship allows us to keep our ticket prices down for the people, right? And so that's kind of one of our biggest goals um, on that front is like the, you know, the better we can do there, the, the cheaper we can keep our tickets, um, which is important if you look at ticket prices across the board. Um, so there's a you know there's a little bit of a juggling act we have to do there, and sometimes you, you know you have to give a little bit on certain things. Um, but um, so I forgot what the question was. <laughs> no, just no. You're answering it, and that was going to be kind of my follow up. Is like, have you turned down sponsors because they weren't yes. a good fit yes. for the oh, yes. festival? We do it all the time, actually. Like, it's kind of a weird thing, especially when they're like, "What do you mean? Like, you don't want." You don't want my money. You're like, <laughs> it's just like it doesn't make sense for us. You know, it just doesn't. Like in certain festivals, it it might. It's just like we're very picky about like what we will and won't allow. Um, and even when we do have a partner, there are lots of things we will and won't allow. There's a certain person in this room that can attest to that because uh, they're working with us on one of the activations. Um, that we are, you know, we are definitely a little, a little picky on that. Um, and it's important though because. I think that big festivals, when you have corporate sponsors, your fans can be like, oh, you're selling out. You've got, you know, these names on your stages and, you know, sponsors everywhere. But it's 
is there's a lot that goes into it. We aren't just like out there just like, oh, cool, just give us money. Like it is a very like calculated process and we do our best to pick stuff that we feel like makes sense. And once we pick them also, we want them to provide experience for the fans. That is a value, right? Like not just, oh, sure, do whatever you want. We don't allow any sampling, so you won't see anybody out there passing out, you know, candy bars or sodas or whatever it is. So we want that to be part of the festival experience Spiritual. people are there all day for four days and and it should be like a good experience they should provide something of value well yeah and, and what does make for a good partner um a good partner is um someone that um exactly exactly one of our one of our long-standing and great partners um that is i mean someone that is actually a partner that kind of like gets it they have like they work with you on stuff, right? The things that were perfect, some stuff's gonna work, some stuff's not gonna work, and someone that is willing to like, kinda like do a little give and take with you, right? Like, and we all have to like meet in the middle on some places, nothing, things aren't gonna be perfect, some stuff's gonna, you know, happen that maybe, you know, someone doesn't love, and just working with working with each other on that. Um, and we have like a, something like a 90% renewal rate. We get people to come back um, year after year. And it's much easier to um, and better to bring people back than to have to find new sponsors every year. So that's been really great. And we have a really good relationship with a lot of our partners. Um, and we spend a lot of time with them before and then during the festival, like we're very hands-on, making sure that someone's checking in with them all throughout the day and just you know just interacting well with them. Um, so it is um, it is a you know 365 days a year process. And as much as anything else, I mean, what I think is incredible that I think people don't necessarily think of when they look at these large festivals, but so much of this is just the basic tenets of, of general business. It's not specific to festival magic. It's like relationships. It's taking care of, you know, everything. It, yeah. It's all the things that go into so many of these other types of business, but people look at something like a Lollapalooza, and I think they just think like, "Oh man, they just throw up some stages, and Drake shows up, and, <laughs> right, they, and they, that's they, that's what it is." Yeah, you, you can't get too worried about like what you read on social media or anything because like there's lots of haters out there, and they post stuff, and they think you know that they they're always critical, right? And it's you know you, you just got to get over that. Like Tammy said, you just got to brush that stuff off. Um, and uh, there is. Um, you know, just you're always going to hear that, and it's not as easy as, as they're like, why don't you have this lineup? It's like, okay, that's <laughs> great to say, but this is not really reality. Um, but uh, it's uh, again, we as a team, we all really work together to like everyone here like understands like on my side, they understand like how sponsors are important and why they might require a lot of handholding and they need a lot. Like our team understands that that's part of what makes this festival work and. That's again to test a testament to how how we all work together. Yeah. Now, Daniel, with the visual side of Lollapalooza, talk about what all goes into that. Like, really, like expand on your role and, and what what sure. you're activating there. I mean, it's got a lot of layers. I mean, obviously, we have the thank you. you. Um, <laughs> appreciate that. It's an AR thing. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah. Um, obviously, you have what you see there, you know, which is the jumbotrons, the IMAGs, as we call them, um, mm -hmm. and that's kind of the gut of the visuals for you know the festival, which is the jumbotrons. Um, that in turn also feeds into what we do with Red Bull, is the live stream, you know, right? Um, and that's you know they've been a great partner. It's our fourth year. 
with them, and we do a very, you know, high-end broadcast with them. Three channels, eight hours a day, so it's 24 hours a day of original broadcasting with, you know, live streams, interviews, content, and, um, you know, we have four, you know, pretty big production trucks that operate this whole thing, and everything just gets fibered back, you know, it's a, it's a mile-long park, so we do a huge fiber network, it all gets fired back to this hub where we direct every stage and then we produce the broadcast. And, you know, beyond that, we have, you know, this fiber network also feeds TVs and VIP rooms mm-hmm. and artist areas. And, then, you know, it's up to, I think we have 60 screens that, uh, that are multi-channel. You can pick a stage and, you know, defeat all these areas. And, uh, and that's the onside. And then we have content shooters. We have B-roll shooters who shoot beauty and the slow-mo stuff for socials and all that. We do GIFs. We do, you know, all, all the stuff for, like, um, Instagram and everything this, the social media needs, everything the PR needs for the media. So we basically build a pool of content for uh, the Rolling Stones and the spins of the world to pick mm-hmm. from. Because we don't allow outside video in at all, so... Uh, we control it that way and just we want them to have access but we want it to be good you know we want it to have you know good quality yeah no absolutely and when do you think a lot of those newer things like live streaming gifts things like that like when did that become a bigger focus for the festival where it wasn't just about like activating of course this huge three day four day kind of like you know music fest but also curating the content stream from it sure I mean We've been, Lollapalooza is the only festival we've streamed since the beginning. 05, we had a stream. You know, really? AT&T Blue Room, yeah. Yeah. And it's nothing near like it is today, but we've been on the air since 05, which is, you know, remarkable. It is, but it feels like live streaming, and I'm like a, I'm a tech geek. I've been doing this podcast thing for a long time. I do sure. live streaming, much not at the scale that you guys do live streaming, but like, I remember trying to tell people about live streaming five years ago, and no one had any idea what I was talking about, and no one cared. Mm-hmm. And now live streaming is just, you expect it. You're like, oh, I'm going to stay home and watch, you know, Arcade Fire at Coachella tonight. Yeah. Or whatever. Like, you know, talk about the live stream. Like, when, how have you seen that component grow and the response to it grow over the last couple of years? Well, I mean, you have a festival that sells out in 20 seconds in, in a lot sure. of regards. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, it's the obvious next step to expand, expand the reach of the festival. You know, we have, you know, 100,000 people a day, you know, we're hitting anywhere between 2 and 5 million people on a broadcast, you know, so it's important, you know, it's important and it extends a brand, and, you know, we have several Lollapaloozas now all over the world, but um, it's, you know, it's kind of a no-brainer to have it, you know, because you're already doing the video anyways for the Jumbotrons and all that, and and then you're just adding the, the broadcast component, but and then I have our partner like Red Bull, right. who really you know, pumps a lot of production into it too. And, you know, they're very proud of everything they do and they're a great partner in that regard. And, you know, we're really able to enhance the broadcast with that. So, yeah. How did you see the online engagement develop and grow once you guys started putting out, I mean, like you said, the stream's been going for a long time, but Mm -hmm. now people have a better understanding of what a live stream is versus 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So like, how long 2015 was 100 years ago yeah. uh, how have you seen that kind of like grow the conversation online where people are able to engage with that even if they're not in Chicago or they're not in attendance I mean that's that's the angle like if you can't make it watch you know because we have three channels like, and a lot of, we got great art participation too like you know 
know, we have 70 artists in the stream, you know, 130 bands, 150 now, I guess, right, with four days, but... Um, 160. Yeah, and there's a few... That <laughs> <laughs> the quality, too, has gotten, the quality's gotten so much better over the, the years, Yeah, too. the quality is so good. Yeah. Like, you actually, like, you, you, you're, you watch and, like, it looks yeah. good. And now we're, yeah. we're, we're digging into VR streaming as well, which is a whole next level. And then, you know, that... And then we have a virtual ticket in, in regards, you know, so, you know, that... That's part of the next step, you know. That's th- sorry. The, like the, the like kind of like tech geek in me is just like, oh my god, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, cool. So we'll do a, kind of a couple more general questions, and we'll open it up to the audience here. Let's talk about kind of the global reach of Lala because Lala has adapted from being, like I said, in the '90s, it was like the pr- premier touring festival, the alternative experience that went from city to city. Now, of course, it's a destination experience in Chicago. But you guys have activated in a number of other countries over the last few years as well. So. How does that experience differ, or how is it the same activating Lollapalooza in some place like Chile? Well, we have partners uh, that we work with in each country, and it is a different country. So the ex- we try and make the experience um, as familiar as possible for the artists and their crews, so that when they see that C3 Presents is producing a festival, that there's a level of expectation mm-hmm. that um, and comfort that comes with that. Um, but we work very closely with our partners on branding and infrastructure and mistakes that we've made before. So try not to, we don't need to make those mistakes again. Let's like work together. And, it, and again, it's just like bringing them into the family and trying really hard to work together to make that experience great for the fans and for the artists and for us. Because some of us travel. We have a small those. team that goes to those, honestly, like yeah. most people don't because um, the partners in each country do it. But someone like a Tammy goes because like you said, giving the artist an experience and taking care of them is important. So having a familiar face, running artist relations in another country makes people feel a lot more comfortable than you know, going into a situation where they don't really know anybody and taking care of those artists is important. So that's why like, someone like a Tammy will go um, to all those festivals. And then last year, Lollapalooza, what was it, the 25th anniversary? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was when you guys first rolled out four days of Lollapalooza here in Chicago. But then it, <laughs> then it stuck for this year. What made you decide, like, let's keep going with four days? Because I'm sure it's that. not just... We didn't decide that. that. It worked okay. well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every people showed up and yeah, bought it worked, tickets. Exactly. So. Yeah. yeah. For a festival, of, uh, I mean, we do 100,000 people per day. That sells out within minutes. And so... In order, because there was, there was so much of a demand for, you know, all of you guys to to want to come to the festival, which is amazing. But the only way to be able to expand that, since we couldn't expand the footprint, was to add another day to it. Yeah. So I think it killed all of us a little bit. But (laughs) in the end, it was, I think it was worth it last year. And we're rolling into year two. Yeah, and people are here for it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we are. So final question, and this has been incredible. I really appreciate everyone's time here. But final question before we open it up to the audience here. You know, if you pull back and you look at the state of music, blah, 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 all the articles about, like, people don't pay for music, but people will pay for experiences. People will pay for Lollapalooza. People will pay to go to Coachella or South by Southwest mm-hmm. or all these kind of things. Why do you think people, especially, you know, millennials, Generation Z, whatever you want to call it, a lot of young people, why do you think that they're still flocking to the live experience of things like this versus not paying for much of anything else? I think that's a question for the audience. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> this is why they, you know, because it's fun, and there's a certain level of, 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 
like expectation that they have when they're going to go there. They pretty much know what to expect. They can bring friends along to, you know, this activation or this thing was great. There was so-and-so did an acoustic set in this tent. It was amazing. So they'll bring their friends back the next year because there's a, you know, just yeah. kind of a It sells out before they know the bands, you know. Yeah. So they, it's, yeah. it's the experience. It's, it's a city. That's you know. exactly what it is. It's, mm-hmm. it's an experience. I mean, mm-hmm. you can listen to music for free and, and that's, great but like this is an experience you can share with your friends and um you come into a destination city there's after shows like it's a whole you know it's an it's a just an experience that you can't get somewhere else yeah I mean, they're all different obviously but it yeah. speaks to a lot especially like this group right here like it like sam was saying earlier he has to curate all the sponsors and and what that involvement is with the festival and tammy making sure that the artists do have that good experience so you see it on the social medias and daniel with getting it out not only to the patrons but that second reach with the live streaming and so yeah i mean we always say we always say like the you know the, like the lineup is what gets them there but the experience is what brings them back yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. i love it um this has been incredible it's been really interesting and fascinating to learn really about the mechanics and and the process that goes into Lollapalooza. and we're going to open it up here to questions for a minute but uh I just want to thank you guys each. Uh, Lindsay Sokol, Daniel Gibbs, Tammy Blevins, and Sam Elkin. Let's give it up for them. Thank you guys so much. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcasts. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the dynamic dynasty, Dynasty Descend.